0: Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Today, we are talking about purity because on Quite a few episodes of the Husband Material podcast, I have talked about the damage of purity culture, which has raised some questions. If you are not sure what purity culture is or why it was so damaging, let me give you a brief summary. 20 to 30 years ago, an evangelical movement spread that we now call purity culture. It was filled with purity rings, people making pledges and promises to stay pure, so to speak, until they get married to save sexual intercourse for marriage and I actually think that's a good thing that sex belongs within marriage. The problem with purity culture is that it was all motivated by fear and shame. For example, I must be pure or else. It was also um, making a lot of false promises about how when you do get married you will be able to release your sexuality and sex will be so enjoyable and great and then all your wishes will come true. Promises that are false. Books have been coming out about the damage that purity culture has done to women, especially in telling women you need to be responsible for keeping men pure uh, in the way that you dress, in the way that you behave. Uh, If you don't guard against men and their uncontrollable sexual desires, then uh, that's your fault if they take advantage of you um, other damaging messages have to do with virginity and uh, people feeling like I am impure because of what I have done or because of what has been done to me. Less people are talking about how purity culture has damaged men. I'm really passionate about that. I think that it is a huge contributing factor to why so many of us grew up with attachment to porn that the the damage of purity culture has made porn very appealing Um, And I talk about that in other episodes, failures of purity culture, or my most important episode of this entire podcast, how to outgrow porn. So you can check that out if you want to hear more about that. Here's the deal. Because of purity culture, the word purity now has a lot of baggage attached to it. It's a loaded term and it's confusing. So it must be defined. And if we define it, maybe we can reclaim this word and maybe we can get a little bit more precise about what we mean when we are talking about purity. Because, uh, frankly, different people hear that word and hear very different things. Which is why I often use the language of maturity rather than purity. Uh, Because it's a little bit more clear. In today's episode, you will learn three types of purity in the Bible. You will get a couple of really vulnerable stories about my own purity or lack of purity. At the end, I'll give you a very simple definition that you can use for sexual purity. Today, I want to replace the damaging messages of purity culture with the true meaning of sexual purity that I see in the Bible, which is very, very different from what has come out of the sexual purity movement over the last few decades There's this great line in the movie, The Princess Bride, where one character says, you keep using this word. I do not think it means what you think it means. And that is exactly what I want to say in regards to the word purity. People use this word all the time. I don't really think it means what people think it means. Here we go. Three meanings of purity in the Bible. Ritual purity, a pure identity, And purity of heart. Ritual purity, pure identity, and purity of heart. And when we use this word purity, we need to be very clear what we are talking about when you're saying, I really care about purity. Okay, are you talking about ritual purity, pure identity, or purity of heart? Because those are three very, very different things. Let's start with ritual purity. In the Old Testament, the concept of purity meant being fit to approach God, and especially in the temple. God is holy. God is powerful. God is pure. And we, on the other hand, are not like God. And so in the book of Leviticus, God gives a number of laws in Leviticus chapters 11 through 18 that are known as the purity laws that give you guidance about what you need to do in order to approach God or rather what to avoid. For example, if you eat pork, if you touch a dead body, or even if you emit semen during the night, um, there are also laws about menstrual fluid and all these different things that are associated with death in different ways that God says, If you become impure or unclean in in one of these ways, then you need to purify yourself and then come and approach me. And that's the way that it worked back then. And that's what I want to emphasize here. That's the way it worked back then. There was a system that has now been fulfilled by Jesus, the one who is truly pure the one who reverses the flow of ritual purity. I'm getting this concept from an amazing video from the Bible Project on holiness. And I will put a link in the show notes to that video so you can watch it. And by the way, for you guys who are watching this live, we are going to watch that video after this teaching because it's just so good. In that video, Tim Mackey says that Normally, if you touch something impure, it transfers its impurity to you. That's the way it worked in the Old Testament system. Now, Jesus reverses that. Jesus went around touching people who are impure, people with skin diseases, a woman with chronic bleeding, dead people. And when he touches them, their impurity should transfer to Jesus. But instead, Jesus's purity transfers to them. So this completely revolutionizes the Old Testament system. And that system set up this amazing healing transformation that Jesus brings. So that that system wasn't necessarily bad. It was just incomplete. It was just immature. It, It was God paving the way for his great plan, which is fulfilled in Jesus to make everyone pure. And there's this wonderful verse in the New Testament that says, Jesus is purifying a people for himself. So he is actually the one who is making us pure. Listen to Titus 2.14. It says that Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Purity is something that Jesus is creating within us. And that leads me to the second type of purity that I want to talk about. There's ritual purity. We talked about that from the Old Testament. And then there's a pure identity that we have in Jesus. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Already pure, already clean, already holy. Holy. 1 Corinthians 6 says, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. That's who you are now. If you are a Christian, you are already pure. That's very, very important. I love what Jesus says to his disciples uh, before he goes to the cross. In John 15, verse 3, he says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. You are already pure. So in this sense of the word purity... What makes a person purer is not virginity or only having sex in marriage or sobriety. It's Jesus. He gave himself for us. There is a sense in which we are already completely pure because of Jesus. We can never become more pure. We can never become less pure because our purity is in him. And our impurity has been transferred to him. This is the wonderful mystery of, of what Tim Mackey was saying that when Jesus touched people, They became clean. His purity was transferred to him. And then on the flip side, when Jesus died on the cross, our impurity was transferred to him. And now it's gone. Legally, positionally, you and I are already pure. And there's a third type of purity, which we don't fully have yet. And that is purity of heart. This purification has already been completed and it's a lifelong process. It's ongoing in the sense of having a pure heart. This theme runs throughout the Bible, not just the Old Testament, not just the New Testament. God cares primarily about our hearts The Lord looks at the heart. Human beings, we compare ourselves to each other based on the surface level. And in the context of outgrowing porn, we estimate how we're doing a lot of times based on our behavior. Which sounds a lot more like ritual purity than this type of purity, which is what God cares about the most. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. He didn't say, blessed are those who have a spotless state of sinless behavior. He said, blessed are the pure in heart. He also said, it's not what goes into a person that makes him unclean. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So, if we are going to define purity or describe purity according to the Bible, if all we're talking about is behavior and behavior that makes us pure or impure, then we're still living in the Old Testament system of ritual purity. That has now been fulfilled by Jesus, who has also given us a pure identity so that My state of being cleansed, of being clean, of being pure, of being righteous, of being blameless. That's been settled a long time ago. No matter what I do, good or bad. Now, what really matters and what we are growing into is purity of heart. And that is so important. I think when the New Testament is talking about purity... It's primarily referring to purity of heart. In the New Testament, the concept of purity is connected to sexuality. Sexual immorality and impurity are mentioned together in Colossians 3, in Galatians 5, in Ephesians 5. And in this sense, purity is not an identity. It's a process. So let me give you some of the implications that I see because of all of this. of these three types of purity in the Bible. Is Druboa sexually pure? Yes and no. Ritually pure? Yes. There's nothing I need to do in order to approach God and have a deep intimacy with my creator. That's already been taken care of. In my identity, am I pure? Yes. I am already clean. However God looks at Jesus That's how God looks at me. And that's how God looks at you. And that's why I always end every episode saying, you are God's beloved son. In you, he is well pleased. Because my friend, you are already clean. You are already pure, blameless, holy, righteous in Christ. And now what we are doing is growing. And we are aligning our thoughts and our choices and our behaviors with that reality we are working on becoming the person who God says that we are in that sense. Is Drew Boa sexually pure in heart? No, the answer my friends is no. One definition of purity that I really like comes from the philosopher, Soren Kierkegaard, who said purity of heart is to will one thing. I don't know about you, But that does not describe me on most days. Sometimes our intentions are innocent, but most of the time they're mixed. And that's our human condition. I want to give you a story of my own impure heart, my own immaturity. And I also want to give you a story of my own pure heart and my own maturity that break away from the typical categories we think of as pure or impure cuz it's so confusing when we use this language it's like well am i pure or am i impure that behavior was it pure or impure and as long as we're as long as we're thinking in just terms of behavior in just terms of ritual purity none of it ever really makes sense and it's not really helpful if we think of it in terms of a pure identity that's already ours wow that gives me so much security and confidence and a foundation to do this work of growing in purity of heart and as we're talking about purity of heart okay now Now there's something we can measure. Now there's something we can grow in. Let me tell you about my own journey of purity these days. It was about a month or two ago that I had a very disappointing realization in my sex life with my wife. And there was a part of me that wanted to give up on being sexually intimate with her and just resign myself to a lack of sexual intimacy. We don't have very much sex. And after this realization, I felt hopeless that we would ever really have a deep and satisfying sexual connection with each other. And that night as I was falling asleep holding her in my arms in that state of resignation, I allowed my mind to fantasize about whatever I wanted. I let my mind roam. I lusted. I thought of specific people who I had masturbated to in the past. And I let my thoughts dwell there. I didn't masturbate. I didn't sexually act out. But I was not pure in heart. And in fact, I sexually sinned. Even though there was no sinful, impure behavior to go along with it, in my mind and in my heart, I was sinning. I was... Really betraying this person who I was holding in bed. And the next morning, after that, without saying a word about it, my wife felt the difference. She knew something was off. She said, something is up. What's going on? And I told her. And it hurt. It was difficult. I admitted to her where I let my thoughts go and it took some difficult conversations with a friend to realize, where's this resignation coming from and for me to resolve, to face this conflict and to not settle, not become hopeless, not become resigned to a mediocre marriage, but say, you know what? I want to fight for connection with you. I want to do everything I can to set us up to really enjoy each other, to have a great sex life. And in order to do so, I had to confront some of my own self-hatred. I had to confront some of my own core wounds and emotional triggers from my inner child. There was one night where I was feeling so unaffirmed. And, and after my wife affirmed me, I couldn't receive it. And I just started weeping. And I said, it's not because of you. It's not because I hate you. It's because I hate myself. And I, and I told her that and we wept and we connected and we eventually came to a place where, where this sin actually led us into greater momentum. This sin did not become stagnant It propelled me forward into growth, into sexual wholeness. And I want to encourage you, by the way, that even sexually impure thoughts and behaviors, they can actually lead to amazing transformation and growth if we allow ourselves to learn from them, if we repair the ruptures that are broken even our sexual impurity can lead us closer to God and closer to others. With that in mind, I want to let everybody know that I would not describe myself as sexually pure. I wouldn't say that, oh, yeah, I'm I'm a pure person in my heart. No. I am a beloved son of the Most High King, and I'm a sinner. And no matter how much freedom I get, no matter how much healing I get, That will always be true for the rest of my life. And I will always be growing in purity of heart. On the other hand, I think there are some things that we think of as impure that are actually pure. (laughs) I want to give you an opposite example. So I was telling you guys about an example of me choosing to indulge sexual fantasy without masturbation. That was sin. That was impurity. That was immaturity on my part. On the other hand, I have also engaged in masturbation without fantasy. And specifically, times when I've been working out, doing abdominal exercises, occasionally that will stimulate my muscles and I'll have what's called a coregasm or an abgasm. And that is a form of masturbation. It's self-stimulating to the point of orgasm. But in my mind, there is no fantasy. There is no lust. There's no objectification at all. In fact, when that happens, it's purely physical. My intentions are innocent when this happens. I have a pure heart. It's actually mature. Even though on the outside, my behavior looks exactly like it did when I was trapped in pornography, masturbating to orgasm. So I'm trying to give you guys a little bit of a window into the truth that what matters the most is purity of heart. Purity is not primarily about behavior. It's about your identity and living out that identity through growing in purity of heart. The point is this word pure is not bad. It just needs to be clarified. And it carries so much baggage when we think Because of my behavior, I'm impure. That is toxic shame. That is part of purity culture. That is not from the Bible. On the other hand, maybe we think to ourselves, I just need to be pure. I just need to be pure. I need to shut down my sexuality. That's sexual repression. That's not from the Bible either. Or you might think, okay, sex in marriage, that's pure. Sex outside of marriage, that's impure. Well, there's a lot of sex in marriage. That is not consensual. That's not honoring to both partners. And it's not pure because it's not coming from a place of purity of heart. And on the other hand, you might have experiences that are sexually charged outside of marriage. For example, passionately kissing your girlfriend. Maybe your intentions are completely innocent and that could be sexually pure in the sense that it's coming from a heart that's not using the other person, that's not objectifying. That's not trying to push the boundaries. So, purity is not about behavior. It's about the heart. And here's my definition of sexual purity Sexual purity is not a spotless state of sinless behavior. It is not something you have when you're born and then you can lose it. Rather, it is a process of growing in Christ like character. And if we keep that in mind as the definition, of purity, then I'm okay with it. I'm okay with talking about it. Unfortunately, when we use that word, most people just think of behavior. Most people are still in that mindset of ritual purity where I need to clean myself up so that I can be good enough for God so that I can rejoin the fellowship of the believers. No, that's the old system. We're not in that anymore. My friend, you are God's beloved son. You are pure. You are clean. You are holy. You are free. And now we're on the journey of learning to live like it, of aligning our thoughts and our choices and our whole lives with the reality that Jesus has made us pure. He has already taken away the penalty of sin. He has now given us power over sin and one day we will be free from the very presence of sin. That day is coming. It's not here yet. And until then, purity of heart is an ongoing process. No one is fully pure. No one is fully mature except Jesus. And his purity has been transferred to us. And he dwells in us, his Holy Spirit lives in his people. And he is purifying us from the inside out. That is my understanding of purity according to the Bible. Now I want to open up some time for questions. John is asking, the night that your heart was impure, what would it have meant for you to have been pure in that moment? Well, for me to have had a pure heart and for me to behave in a pure way would have been to notice those thoughts coming into my head, to acknowledge them and to let them go, to go to sleep. Now, these thoughts and feelings and attractions and impulses were very strong. So really what I probably needed was to get out of bed, go for a walk and call one of my closest friends and see if anybody was awake to talk with them and co-regulate and help me process through this which i did the next day which i did the day after that and that would have been more honoring i also could have used different coping strategies like breathing journaling i could have interacted with little drew <laughs> seeing okay what what is the real need underneath these urges and this strong feeling of needing to fantasize all that would have been much more helpful would have been really kind and good and pure my intentions in that moment though were totally selfish and i allowed my mind to wander wherever it wanted so this really reframes our journey of outgrowing porn because Having two months without looking at porn, does that mean that you're growing in purity? Well, maybe in a way. Um, What about your heart? Because that's what the Lord looks at. That's what really matters. And that, that can't be measured easily. So I have another episode about this called How to Measure Your Freedom from Porn. Overall, I feel like it's much more helpful to use the language of maturity rather than purity. So I want to shift our conversations from pursuing sexual purity to pursuing sexual maturity. Because maturity very clearly shows that, okay, this is a process. We are becoming men who are able to manage ourselves in a healthy way. If we think about becoming pure, well, that makes it sound like I'm impure and there's something I need to do to become pure. And in terms of our identity, that's just not true. We are already pure. So that's why I, I don't like the language of of purity very much because it confuses these categories of ritual purity, pure identity and purity of heart. And the first two have already been taken care of. The third one is what we are focused on now. And it's so much deeper than just surface level behaviors so this is why I feel the need to define this term. What questions do you guys have? John says, what does it mean to have a pure heart and to recognize and see beauty? That is a great question. One of the very first episodes of Husband Material talks about this directly called what to do when you see attractive people. Ugh, I'm so passionate about this. Noticing beauty. And acknowledging it is very different than lust. What matters is what we do in that moment of noticing and acknowledging that someone, a man or a woman, is really attractive and beautiful. He created our bodies. And when you see someone who's attractive, you can say, Lord, he or she is very beautiful. You created her. You created him. Please bless him today. Please bless her today. Many of us have this mistaken notion that simply noticing someone and being attracted to them is lust. That that is an impure thought. If I see someone and think, oh, he's really sexually attractive or she's really beautiful. That that is impure. No, no, no. That's normal. That's natural. What we do with that thought makes a difference. Are my intentions innocent or are my intentions selfish? Another way you can evaluate a thought or a pattern of relating to somebody is giving and receiving versus taking. If I am constantly thinking about this person and stimulating my sexual fantasies with them, I'm using that person. I'm taking something from them. That's lust. That's not love. However, if I am freely noticing, oh, what a beautiful person. What a beautiful body. Wow, God. You're amazing. (laughs) Um, That is giving and receiving rather than taking. And whether you are having sexual intimacy in marriage or you're dating someone or you're just interacting with friends, you can ask yourself, am I in a posture of giving and receiving or am I in a posture of taking and using? Giving and receiving is love. Taking and using is lust. John says, that's a really good clarification. Awesome. Jeff says, biblically, how does taking every thought captive apply to purity of heart? When you have a thought, question your intentions. Are my intentions innocent? Is this loving? Is this me giving and receiving? Or is this taking and using? And that's a very, very different question than what we usually ask ourselves. What we usually ask ourselves is, am I sinning or not? (laughs) (laughs) Where's the line? Have I crossed the line? And as long as we're asking those kinds of questions, the deeper question underneath that is, how much can I get away with? And that is not purity of heart. As long as we're asking ourselves, how much can I get away with and still be in the realm of righteous? Like, how, how much can I get away with and still be okay? I'm still self-centered. That's still impure. As long as we're focused on what to avoid, we're not going to get very far in this journey. If we're focused on who am I becoming, what am I pursuing, what's my purpose, then we have direction and clarity. So there you have it. Three types of purity in the Bible. Ritual purity, pure identity, and purity of heart. You have some examples from my life about what purity and impurity look like practically and my definition, which is that purity is a process of growing in Christ-like character. I see Jeff saying, this sounds so doable. It is, and we can do it together. Always remember, my friend, you are God's beloved son, in you he is well pleased.